0: What I try to do, you know, I try to leave leave places, you know, and make it better than what it was before I got there. Uh, You're not always going to have the best team, and you're not always, uh, you know, going to have the best players. And 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 in high school, that's what's that's the beauty about it. I mean, you get to you got your players, and they're in your they live in your district, and you know that's who you coach. But there are a lot of good players out there. Players are everywhere. They're all over the United States. Uh, you know, if you want to be one of those guys, you got to work
1: at it. Hey everybody. Welcome back to the high school coaches club. I'm your host, Max price from wherever you're clicking that play button today on a treadmill behind a mower on the highway, whatever. Just know that I appreciate you for trying to become just a little bit better for the student athletes in your care. I'm constantly reminded both through your stories and my own experiences of how important high school athletics are for kids and communities. So first off, thank you for being involved in high school athletics. And thank you also for investing in yourself and for considering the high school coaches club worthy of your time. And a huge thank you to Will and the gang over at Netting Pros for sponsoring yet another edition of the show. What can I say? Netting Pros are huge supporters of the coaching community, and they continue to do amazing things. Not only can they help out with the design aspect of facility improvement, Netting Professionals specialize in the fabrication and installation of turf turf protectors, digital graphic wall padding, benches, windscreen cubbies, and so much more. My favorite, the custom powder-coated ball carts. Obviously, baseball, softball, giant markets for netting pros. But they have customers pretty much in any sport you can imagine, including football, soccer, lacrosse, track and field, and golf. They are truly improving programs one facility at a time, providing high-quality products and services to recreational, college, professional, and, of course, high school facilities, fields, courses, and stadiums throughout the country. You can contact them today by calling 844-620-2707 emailing info at nettingpros.com, visiting their website, nettingpros.com, or by checking Netting Pros out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. If you are in the market for any sort of facility improvement, do it through Netting Pros and be sure to let Will and his team know how much you appreciate them supporting the High School Coaches Club. Our next guest is an absolute stud who works in a picturesque community that knows how to support high school athletics. His name is Josh Wheeler. And he's the head baseball coach and assistant football coach for the Munster Hornets in Munster, Texas. He jumped on the line to discuss how his team won the state championship in his first year at the helm, unbelievable, why he thinks it's important for prospective head coaches to be patient and wait for the right job to come along, how a school of only about 150 students can support so many different athletic programs, and just about everything in between. So let's dive in. It's episode 35 with Josh Wheeler. All right, Josh, thanks for joining me. Uh, I'm glad to be here, man. You were recommended uh, to me by Jonathan Gellner, who I think most people listening, at least the baseball guys, will know runs the Head of the Curve podcast. So, really, I think a high honor to be <laughs> recommended by somebody like Jonathan.
0: Yeah, man. He, uh, you know, I actually coached with him uh, on a summer team. He was the head guy, and I, I helped him because I had a son on the team and I wanted to help. So, I didn't have to basically pay a fee. And, uh, you know, got to know him over the, you know two or three months that we that we worked together and you know I've kept in contact with him you know he worked with the rangers uh you know he, he kind of jumps around jobs he you know with covid that hit I think he got you know let go by the rangers but you know, I talked to him the other day and he said you know pro ball's not for me he's kind of happy where he is now I think he's in Tulsa Oklahoma and um you know he's doing good
1: yeah i know a few guys who actually had the kind of the similar thing happen to them where they they kind of got into coaching you know baseball at the pro level around the time that covid hit and covid ended up uh <laughs> leading to a lot of casualties in pro ball which kind of sucked for a lot of guys but like you mentioned i think it, for some guys it ends up being a good thing because they they figure out kind of where they really want to be and as it turns out it, pro ball isn't where most guys end up really actually want to be when you're talking about coaching for a lot of reasons
0: yeah he's a he, you know john a family guy and, you know he likes his you know, he has a son that's, I think he's one or two and, you know, he, he wants to be a good dad and that's, you know, that's his main focus pretty much.
1: Yeah. <laughs> really hard to do in pro ball. I would think, uh, yeah, for most yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, unless you're, unless you're maybe at the major league level where you make enough money where the off seasons are actually off seasons, but, uh, I don't know about that. Uh, Anyway, so uh, super, super glad to connect. We had tried a couple times. Both of us ran into, well, our baseball seasons were happening, and so now we're both at the point where uh, both of our seasons are over, so pretty cool to get to sit down with you. And so I just want to kind of start and have you take us all the way back to your your high school days, kind of start there. Where did you play high school? Uh, What sports did you play? What was your experience like?
0: I played at a, a 3A school in Texas, in Edgewood, Texas, um, you know, I played four sports. I played football, basketball, baseball, and track. Uh, ba- baseball was definitely my main focus. I was a, I was a decent football player. Uh, I played point guard on the basketball team. That was probably our best sport that we were at, that we were good at in our, in my high school. Uh, you know, we usually run anywhere from 28 to 30 games a year in, in basketball. And in baseball, uh, the guy, I had a, we had a new head coach. He's still there now, so he's been there about 22, 23 years and he's really brought the baseball program up, and it, it, it's really better than what it was when I was there. And you know, I think we kind of started that, and that, that's something to be proud of.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I think for a lot of guys, it's it's really it's really weird, like talking to people because my high school experience was was like the the head baseball coach had been there for years before I got there, and then he was there for years after I got there, and so it's always it seems so foreign to me to be a high school athlete and have uh, a different head coach during the time that you're there just seems so seems so different and so bizarre to me from what my own experience was like
0: I mean you know baseball experience in high school at Edgewood High School it's way more important now than it was then you know we didn't even have an outfield fence Uh, (laughs) we counted balls we probably had more basketballs than we did baseballs because it was a basketball school so so we didn't get a lot of money for baseball and and uh you know jason seal who's the guy there now he's really you know kind of up the level of, of everything in the baseball program edge where well. they've made it to a state tournament which is something that they would have never done 20 years ago because uh, it wasn't important and uh, he's made it more important the field is unbelievable uh, he's built so many things and done so many things to the field and it, it's just a it's just a lot of work you know you know 23 years of work is what it looks
1: like it's funny, my uh, similar thing. My first three years of high school, we didn't have an outfield fence either, and so I remember for to hit a home run, it was you didn't just have to hit a ball really far; you had to be able to run a little bit too. I remember that being an interesting thing. Has he done a has he has he done a lot to bring alumni back into the program? Then, because I think from what I've heard, a lot of coaches when they're trying to build up programs, trying to pull the alumni back in, is is one of the things that they really focus on.
0: Man, we've never played an alumni game there. You know. I, Kind of like I do here. I feel like you know we've had quite a few kids go play baseball where I'm at now, and and I, I just feel like you got to, you know, you got to have that relationship and know that man, you can always come back and hit here. You can always come back and and um, you know throw a BP to us if you want to, or you know whatever you want to do. We want you to be part of this is this is us and this is this is a family. No matter when you graduated or when you come back, I think he does a good job of that. But you know probably not alumni, you know, events or anything like that. He's never done anything like that. But I, I've always felt like, you know, when I go back and if he's playing in a game and I was watching him, I can walk in the dugout. And be
1: about. That's really cool. Yeah. And if anybody wants to come back and throw BP for me, is, <laughs> go for it. You can come visit any Yeah, day. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Well, that's cool. So then uh, you you obviously at some point graduated high school, I assume. And then then where'd life take you after that?
0: Yeah, I went to play baseball at Southern Arkansas University. Um, You know, I was playing with a lot of guys that were juniors and seniors. I think we actually had eight seniors on the team there and then one junior college transfer. And, you know, at the time, being young and dumb, you know, like like most kids are, you know, I felt like I wanted to play, and it's hard to play. Even though I was a good athlete and a good player, it's hard to play when you're playing against 22- and 23-year-old kids, you know, when you're 18 19. (laughs) You know, so it, it was really difficult for me not to play. Uh, you know, I think that we started with like 90 kids there, and it got down to about 35, and they redshirted me. So they wanted to keep me, but, you know, I didn't look at it like that. And I, en- I ended up uh, transferring to Western Oklahoma State College, uh, played two years there. We were pretty successful. Uh, we ended up finishing second in the conference tournament uh, the first year. and I think the second year we wasn't as good, but uh, – I think I hit, yeah, you know, I hit around three thirty, something like that. Stole about fifty bases. I could run. Um, you know, my son now he can run. So uh, yeah. And then you know, I met my wife at Western and decided to get out and try to get out of college and, and get a job and, and get into coaching after that. I think I could have went and played at a four year school, but with my situation, it just wasn't. It wasn't. You know, re- reality set in basically, and you know, had to raise a kid and you know, start working.
1: Yeah, at some point life, life finds us. And so it just kind of found you a little bit earlier than probably you imagined when you were probably leaving high school. It's funny, because I think that happens a lot with with high school kids is you think you're pretty good. And and then you get to college and you look around and you realize like, oh, I'm competing not against guys my age, like there's 23. We had I remember my my freshman year, we had a 26 year old on our team and I'm just it was just it was just like a slight like you're just like well I was not prepared I had no idea what college baseball was really like
0: yeah I don't think kids understand you know sometimes especially in high school the work ethic that has to be put in I mean I think they take it for granted a lot but there are a lot of good players out there players are everywhere they're all over the United States and uh you know if you want to be one of those guys you got to work at it
1: it's true, and and watching all these teams right now that are making postseason runs in college, from you know watching like teams at the NAI level, the JUCO level, and everything, and you see them, and you just like I remember in high school thinking like, oh yeah, it's, there's D one, and they're they're great. D two is okay. D three they're bad. JUCO's like not even, and then there's NAIA. and then <laughs> now that you're away from it for a while and you look back, you're like man, I was such an idiot. Like they, yeah. every level is unbelievably talented right now
0: yeah they can all play man I mean uh you know you know some kids they would rather not go to NAI or or do stuff like that but at, at the end of the day it's all good baseball and, and if you like to compete and go out there you know and and, and play the game uh you should you know you should want to do it
1: yeah for sure so uh let's let's dive in when did you get into coaching did that happen quickly did it take you a while How, kind of take us through the journey of where you where you went from playing to then coaching?
0: Well, I mean, I've always wanted to be a coach. I, I don't think <clears throat> I don't think that there was never a doubt that's what I was going to do. You know, I, I felt like that when I was a freshman in high school. So, uh, you know, I, I think sports helped me get through college. I wouldn't say I was the smartest guy on the block or anything like that, but I think that's what drove me to, you know, get through it. And, you know, I, I graduated with an associate's at Western. I uh, ended up – uh lived pretty close to – Texas a Commerce, and, you know, I finished my degree there. Um, and then I worked for my, you know, my my head baseball coach that I had. So I worked in, in my hometown for the first three years of my coaching career. Uh, you know, it was, a lot of, it was a learning curve getting into it. I mean, you know, when you become a player and then you go to a coach at, at such a young age and you're still, you know, young and, you know, still – you know, I was coming out of college – baseball kind of, you know, only a year and a half out and I felt like I could still play. and You know, you, you don't look at the coaching side as much and you, you learn over time, I think, of, to be a better coach. Not that I didn't know the game or didn't know certain things, but, you know, being organized and, and, and practice schedules and, you know, you have to understand that it's not about you anymore and it's about kids.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It takes a while. I remember, can't remember who it was that I had on recently who, who uh, talked about how he has, uh, in the fall, they run, uh, they're run they they're able to kind of do baseball year-round. And he was saying in the fall, he'd have his players do kind of like a, a World Series type thing where the seniors would draft the, the underclassmen and then the seniors would end up coaching the teams for a week and then they'd play. And he was talking about how valuable that experience was for them to understand what it's like to be a coach. Because I think Like all of us as high school athletes, we don't really understand what goes into coaching until later in life. We're actually coaching and you realize like, oh my gosh, there's a lot more that goes into this than just like writing a lineup card down.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of hours, man. I mean, I I couldn't tell you how many hours I spend doing it. I love doing what I do and I couldn't imagine doing anything else than than coaching.
1: Can you take us from, from Edgewood, what you're doing to just kind of where you are now and what you're doing now?
0: Yeah, uh, you know, at Edgewood, uh, my first year there, I was assistant football, assistant baseball, and then I uh, actually had to do junior high girls basketball. I needed a job, so, you know, I, I took that and, and and ran with it. And, you know, I really enjoyed my, my first year. The the football coach got fired after the first year. Our a- what was, you know, weird about it, especially being in Texas, our AD was a basketball coach, so we got a new football coach after that year. And I stayed two more years there, and – uh, I got moved to the uh, varsity basketball staff, so coached all three varsity sports one year. It took a lot, you know, big toll. It's a lot of, a lot of games. We went to the playoffs and everyone won. I think we went uh, football. We went one round. Basketball, we went to the regional final, which is right the right before the state tournament. And um, baseball, I think we went to the regional semi. So it was a really long year. I think that was the year the swine flu. Uh, here in Texas, you know, we got a we actually got a week canceled, so one week we just practiced. And um, the year after that, you know, we were pretty successful in all three sports again. And then um, I left, and I took an offensive coordinator. I didn't know whether I wanted to do football or baseball. As a baseball player at heart, but you know, I kind of like the football thing. I still I still like football, especially you know when you have a kid on the team. Um, I took an offensive coordinator job at Crossroads. At, Crossroads Texas um uh, a two-way school and um done golf and and football the first year I was there done track and football the second year I was there uh you know we were very good we had a very average football team um I thought we I thought we were successful from what they had been in the past I thought we left it better than it was and you know the second year all the coaches left so it was a uh, it was a mutual thing, and I ended up going to uh, Mineola, Texas, and I stayed there for four years. My first year, I was just in the junior high. They had they didn't have any, you know, coaches leave the high school staff, and so I took a job in the junior high. It was closer to where I lived, where I was commuting from to go to Crossroads was about forty five fifty minutes. Gas was, you know, pretty high back then, and 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 we were me and my wife were you know kind of starting out teachers, so we didn't make a lot. A lot of money. We, we make way more now. And uh, we just – so I just took that job in Mineola, hoping that, you know, I was assistant baseball there and i done junior high football. And helped with the high school staff as well on Fridays and stuff like that. But then after a year at Mineola, uh, we uh, – you know, I took a high school coaching job. My, my class load got worse, but I still took it. I wanted to be at the high school level. And uh, I was a coach defense events there. We we, we, coached, we just coached one side of the ball. We had had a big staff. It was a three A school. We had about 450 kids in, in high school, um, and you know we had really good kids coming. So I think my third year in Mineola, we played for the state championship, and we we're basically all sophomores. I had a couple of juniors. I had two linemen that were going to A and M that were twins, and um, we got beat in the state championship game. And uh, my fourth year, I come back, and we were fourteen and zero going in the state semifinal there, and we got beat by Brock, who won the state championship. So, and in, in in baseball there, we usually got beat in the first round. We make the playoffs, we got beat in the first round. We had really good young kids in baseball, just couldn't hit hit the ball very well. We had a hard time scoring. And um, you know, I I finally, you know, I've been searching for a head baseball job for a while after I left Crossroads. I turned quite a few down. And Munster popped up, and I applied, and you know, I kind of read, you know, any any good coach I would say would research the job, and you know, what kind of kids you got coming back, what does the region look like, and it looked it looked pretty good, it looked pretty promising, and so I you know took the the head baseball job in Munster, and I left Minneola, and I had a hard time doing that because all our kids were juniors, and you know we had a really good chance to win the title again in football, uh, and but I took it, and you know, the end of the football season. I think we got beat in the third round here at Monster, and many other won the state championships. So, I, you know, I was sitting at Jerry World, and I was feel like I was going to throw up, you know, because <laughs> I, you know I love those kids for one, and you know, then you know you move, and you know you're like, did I do the right thing or whatever? So, you know, we get into baseball during the spring, and you know. My AD comes and watches the first two games we, we walk it off in the first game against the 4A school which is usually here is about a thousand kids we're at 150 so at a 2A so we won five four we play a, a really good private school the next the next game we get beat 19 to one I' think I'm gonna get fired you know <laughs> and I, so, anyways you know in that, in that first year I was here we had really good players. we have one that's at uh, DBU now he's the starting shortstop he's a senior at DBU. Uh, we got another one that's at uh Sam Houston State, you know, two D one players at you know, a, a school that, you know, produces one hundred and fifty kids in their high school. So uh and we have we had several others that went play college ball as well. We had a really special group here and we ended up we ended up winning I think we we were seven and two at two at one time and we didn't lose another game. We won a state title six to two and uh it finished the year at thirty three and two. So, you know, we kinda got we got our we got our state title, and my wife was like, see, told you she was going to win the state title. That's what she, that's what she said. So it was, it was really good. And, and in 17, we won it all here. So, you know, the, the next year coming in, we, we had all those juniors back, and, and most of them played all sports. So we had won it in basketball in 17, and then we won baseball in 17. And then when we came back from the next school year uh, during football, usually our state championships are around December, uh and we had all the kids back we, we went 16 and 0 and won the state championship in football so there was a there was a lot of winning around here in 17.
1: yeah <laughs> no kidding well, i think that uh i'm sure as you're sitting in jerry world and then comparing that to a year later you're probably like yeah i, think I guess i guess i made the right choice after all yeah you made uh, the right choice
0: for sure um, that's amazing know, in, 18, in 18 we went back back to the state championship game in baseball uh, we ended up getting beat in the state final. I think we were like thirty-five, five and one, and and we've had good teams ever since. Uh, you know, not as talented as those, but uh, you know, we we I feel like every year we have a legitimate shot to win or win the region and get to the state tournament. And I don't think you can ask for anything more than that.
1: No, it's it's really fun to to hear about. It's not not often in your first year you get uh, for a lot of guys. It's not even often their first year they have a winning record. You know, a lot of times as as especially at the high school level, it seems like when a coach retires or leaves or whatever, uh, the program's not always in a very healthy place, and talent oftentimes is not very high, and so. To be able to have that opportunity to go into year one and win a state title and, and, and have players who it sounds like we're bought in in all the sports across the, the school is probably a big deal. Because I think for a lot of people at a lot of high schools, they don't deal with a lot of kids that are playing all these different sports. And so when you're talking about a school that has, you know, like you said, like 150 people and it, basically, I assume a lot of your guys aren't showing up to baseball the very first week that baseball starts in the spring.
0: No, I mean, uh, you know, uh, in 17, you know, you, know, you almost have to push the schedule back because, you know, you got, you're starting baseball while basketball is going on. And if they go to that last week, basically you're going to miss about 10 games, you know, and, you know, and that's, you know, that's hard. I try to push my schedule back as far as I can. Well, you know, when that happens, then you get rainouts and stuff like that. And you have nowhere to put, put, put things. So, uh, you know, we, we know that we're going to be successful around here and we're going to make it to the playoffs. And, and, and we try to do the best we can at, you know, you know scheduling games, you know, pushing back. And, you know, I'm a big component of playing games. So, a lot of people around here, they won't play enough games in my opinion. You know, if I go to a tournament, I'm a 2A school, I'm going to play six games over three days. And most people may play three or four. So, you know, I like to develop pitching. I like the kids to get out there and pitch and you know I usually tell my I usually tell my kids you know this is your game to pitch you know if you want to go out there and throw 88 pitches and walk the house you do that we're going to get our you know we're going to get beat. if you want to go out there and you know throw strikes we'll play defense behind him that's kind of been our motto since I've been here and I think it's developed our pitching staff you know quite a bit like this year I mean we played in the third round we played 38 games so You know, I think the more games you play, the better experience you get. And I always tell coaches, you know, who likes to practice? I mean, yes, practice is necessary, but when you can play a game, you know, who don't like to do that?
1: (laughs) I know the kids like it a lot more, that's for sure. Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) Uh, Before we get deep into Munster, I got to go back. Uh, You coached uh, junior high girls basketball early on. Uh, You mentioned kind of part of as a lot of us do when you're getting a job, you just kind of, yeah, sure, I'll do whatever I got to do. What kind of lessons did you take away from that experience?
0: Man, that girls are different. That I'm not meant to coach girls, you know. uh, (laughs) know, And I didn't have a really good team either. I mean, we weren't very good. We could hardly dribble the ball up the floor. Uh, I done eighth grade, and another girl done seventh grade. And our seventh, our seventh grade group was really good, and they actually they ended up making it to the state tournament when they were seniors. And but our eighth grade group, man, they were something bad, something awful. <laughs> you know, it was a lesson that you know that you know you're just not going to come in anywhere. And you know a lot of people think, well, if I'm coaching them, they'll be better. And you know it doesn't work like that. You can be a good coach, and and you know. And and I have very good players, and but the, the 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 basis behind everything is to get better, and I felt like we done we done that throughout the year there, and uh, that's what I try to do. You know, I try to leave leave places, you know, and make it better than what it was before I got there. Uh, you're not always going to have the best team, and you're not always uh, you know going to have the best players. And, you, and and in high school, that's what that's the beauty about it. I mean, you get to you got your players, and they're in your they live in your district, and you know, that's who you coach.
1: Yeah, it's so it's so different from the college level because you know in college, obviously, you you have a huge amount of say in who comes into your program and who's allowed and who isn't allowed into your program to play. And as a, like you said, man, as a high school coach, you get what you get. And I think the you know, it's like the the saying of like process over outcome, but that's it's really true in high school. You just have to be focused on getting better and. At the end of the year, maybe you look up and you're the state state title winners. Maybe you're the runners up and maybe you're maybe you lose half the games. You never really know.
0: Yeah.
1: Just in terms of like culture, when you took over at Munster, what did you know going into the job when you first were kind of accepting the job at Munster? What did you know about Munster, about the school, about the baseball program?
0: I didn't know much at first. Uh, I know they're a winning program and you know, that's what I always look for to take over. I never wanted to take a bad job. I think you could do that in coaching if you're really worried about being a head coach so fast. You know, I like I, like I said, I probably turned down six or seven jobs before I took one and you know, I, I feel like and I feel like I learned that experience from taking the offensive coordinator job at Crossroads and not really really wanting a job, you know, being being the guy, being able to call plays and wanting that more than, you know, being successful, you know, sometimes. So I really think you got to, you know, research any job that you, that you get. When I was coming to Munster, I mean, I just – I looked at, you know, my son was – he was in junior high. You know, I wanted to get to a place that, you know, he could win and, and compete and, you know, have a good high school career and – when I looked at Mustard, they had they had played in the state final in basketball. They had, um, you know, they went to the state semifinal in football, and in baseball they got beaten in the second round. But they had everybody coming back, so I felt, you know, I just looked, mo- I mostly looked at their baseball and kind of all their sports, and I, I felt like, you know, this this looks like a, a good job. It was it was right between my parents and my wife's parents. So it was, you know, if we went to my my wife's parents it's about the same amount of time as going to our parents. So it was, it was right in the middle of both our parents. It's just a really good situation. North Texas is kind of growing. Uh, Mustard's a really small town. It's a German town. And, you know, a lot of a lot of Catholic influence here. Um, you know, it's probably, I would say, 96, 97% white. Um, and, you know, we just really good genetics I mean everybody here is you know six six foot which is is something you look for in in athletes and uh you know when I came up here I thought the AD was spoke well I thought he you know he cared about all sports in his program and uh you know I decided to take the job
1: the difference a good athletic director can make is, is huge. I've seen, I've seen some really good ones and I've seen some that aren't, aren't so great either. Uh, they can, they can make a huge, huge difference. Um, man at Munster, what are the, what are some of the like biggest challenges that the, that the schools have there? Is it, is it, you know, financial, is it uh culture stuff? Like what are some of the challenges or obstacles you've seen along your way there?
0: I think we have really good kids. I mean, most of our kids work in the town. Our town is amazing. I mean, they'll, they'll, uh, like my son, you know, he worked, he only went to school half a day as a senior. So he would, he would go to school half a day. He would go work at, at a meal that, you know, makes dog food and stuff that's, you know, basically two minutes from the school. And then they would let him out for baseball practice. And, all jobs here at Munster that kids have are like that. I mean, they understand that athletics is important. And you know, I think we have really good kids. I think we have great parents. You know, mostly all, all our parents are two, uh, you know, but they still have their mom and dad. They're not, you know, we don't have a lot of, you know, divorced parents and stuff like that. You know, one of the challenge, uh, the biggest challenge, I think, is, you know, our facilities. You know, we and we have such a good income here. You know, we're probably, I would say we're a rich town in a way. And it hurts us at a state level as far as facilities. You know, we don't have the greatest baseball field. Uh, you know, we, we don't have the greatest, you know, facilities basically. I mean, and, you know, we actually play on a city field here in Munster and, you know, we, we actually just got turf on our football field, which is good, but it, but the way we had to get it was not, not a good way. I mean, usually you, you know, you put in a bond and, you know, it it just doesn't happen in this town usually. So um, I just feel like, you know, facility-wise is where we could get better. Um, But, you know, kid-wise and, you know, challenges other than that, there's really not many. I mean, we're looking at 150 kids in school and we may have next year in football, we're going to have close to 55 play. So, Mm. you know, half of those, half of those, kids or girls. So, you know, of them one fifty, and that's, you know, so we got about probably 80 boys in high school, maybe 90, you know, or some somewhere in that number. And, you know, over 50% of them is going to play.
1: Oh, that's awesome. That's an incredibly huge participation rate. So I'm trying to wrap my mind around that. I coach at a, the, you know, biggest size schools we have in Salem or in our, in Oregon really. And uh, we're knocking on the door of around 2000 every year. And Man, our participation rates are nowhere near that. It just sounds like an awesome community, so different. But I will say we're we're City Field Bandits too. We play on a City Field, and <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, everything else is really nice, uh, facility wise around here. I, I I really like the the small town feel. Every time I get to talk to somebody who's from a small town, it just seems so cool. You you talking about the ability, you know, for all your players to have a job and then just they let them go when it's time to practice. And I'm over here thinking of like I've got players that get jobs working at like Wendy's and they have a hugely <laughs> difficult time getting the you know, the manager to understand, like, hey, just you know, afternoon's not gonna work <laughs> during baseball season. Yeah. And like, oh my gosh, it's just what a gift to to have such a small town that that gets it. It's it's so awesome. Yeah.
0: I mean, I mean, I couldn't, I mean, if I ever leave here, I'll miss the town. I mean, it's, it's an unbelievable town. You don't even, you know, it's a, we're such a small town, but like, it's, it's one of those towns where you go through, you know, you go through some small towns and there's not a shop open or there's everything's out of business and people buy from their own people here. So not that they don't go to other stores or Walmart or, you know, whatever, but people try to stick here to the town and they try to put their money into the town. And it's a it's a really special town. Uh, I mean, we, my wife and my kids have really enjoyed it since we've been here. Uh, we actually just got finished building the house, and uh, you know, we moved in about a month ago. So, uh, my my youngest kids in seventh grade, so we plan on you know trying to stay at least until he's out. And, uh, again, you know, I came from a small town. I like the small town feel as well. At some point, I may just want to coach baseball. You know, I I don't know that yet, but. You know, and I might want to get to a bigger school. My wife's a little principal, and you know, you know, her goal one day is to be a be a superintendent. So, you know, whatever it takes, as it does, but we really do enjoy Munster, and it, it's a great town. If the job ever opens, I would, I would think people would want to apply for it.
1: Well, yeah, I want to go back to what you said earlier about just just going and getting a job. I think as assistant coaches, a lot of times we get really. Uh, Uh, if you have aspirations, you want to be a head coach someday and you start building these ideas in your head of what you would do if you took over a program and how it would run and how successful it would be. And like you mentioned, even talking about the junior girls basketball, uh, junior high girls basketball, about how uh, you you just have this thought in your head of, if I could, if I could coach that group, like I had to get them to be winners, you know what I mean? Yeah, Uh, Yeah. And so like what you talked about, a lot of times that leads to us taking jobs that are kind of set up to not be successful for a lot of different reasons. And waiting for the right job to come around is is really important. I have kind of a similar, sounds like a similar start as you, where there was some schools that had talked to me and just in researching them, it was like it just, and I'm so glad looking back that I didn't take those jobs just to be able to say I'm a head coach because I don't know, I don't know how successful we would have been in those situations. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's just man, it's it's so hard. I think you got to look at all aspects of the town, you know, of where you're going. I mean, you know, if you go to, you know, if you go to a, a school in North Texas that has two thousand kids, I mean, that's a different story. I mean, you surely you can, even though you you're probably a school that maybe not be as good as the school in your district. But I feel like as a coach, you can be pretty successful, uh, you know, with that amount of kids if if you have a lot of kids come out and play. Where in a small town, it's more about tradition, in my opinion. You know, you, you know, I mean, we have schools here that win all the time. And, and, and I think a lot of it is because they grow up like, like people here. You know, when I got here, people grow up here and they want to be a Hornet. I mean, because we're the monster haunted. So they want to be a Hornet. And when, when we have our football games on Friday nights and you're at school on, on Friday, I mean, everybody is in red and white here. There's nobody that doesn't wear red and white. I mean, the, you know, girls in, the, in kindergarten and first grade have on cheerleading costumes. Boys have on their jersey that they're going to play, you know, on Saturday in. Uh, you know, it's just a really, uh, you know, a lot of uh, pride in Munster. And, you know, there's a lot of schools in Texas, small schools like that, that, that are that way. Uh, and they're successful for that reason, in my opinion. You go to a, a small school that's not successful, and you're all, you're dealing with you know people quitting, or you're dealing with with bad parents, or you you know, what's there are bad parents everywhere, but it's just it it becomes it becomes your you're fighting more battles, and you're not coaching. I mean, there's not a lot of coaching going on. Everybody's complaining, you know. And, and in Muster here, you know, yeah, we've had parent problems here, but you know, there's not a town that I've been in where you finish your season. And parents come up to you and say, you've done a hell of a job. You know, there's, there's not many towns that do that. And, and in this town and the people here, uh, you know, it's, a, it's an amazing town.
1: Yeah, it sounds, it sounds almost like a movie. Like it just it sounds so awesome. But when you're talking about small towns, one of the things that I've heard from other coaches too who have been in, in the smaller town areas is finding um, and retaining like good quality help as a coach. So good assistant coaches can kind of be tough. Um, how do you in a small town like that and smaller school how do you how is it structured are are all assistant jobs tied to a teaching position are you able to get volunteer coaches like how does that process work at Munster
0: well we have uh, you know we, we do basically all our boys coaches we do golf, basketball, track football and baseball uh, I have usually have one assistant um, when I first got here the guy that actually stepped down was the head baseball coach so he stepped down and he wanted another baseball coach to come in which was kind of you know weird in an aspect because i'm coming in and then this guy's going to be overseeing what i'm doing but it was made clear that you know everything's fine he's a great dude he's one of the best coaches i've ever worked with <laughs> uh we don't have a lot of coaches here we got basically a five-man staff on the on the boys side uh, we do we coach both sides of the ball. Uh, I think all our coaches are really good coaches. Our, our ADs done a really good job of, of hiring people. Um, we have, uh, you know, uh, so all of us coach football. We coach junior high and high school. So, we usually, like, bring – we'll bring the junior high in. In the mornings, we'll work them out, seventh and eighth grade together. And then, you know, football is a really long year because you've got the junior high, you know, and you have to coach them. Um, then we go to high school after school. And then once it goes to basketball, we have one coach that goes to basketball. We have one of uh, my assistant baseball does a junior high basketball. And then um, I'm in off season with, with the junior high and, you know, the high school kids that we have left in there. So uh, and we get to work in there and our ADs in there as well. And then when, when, but we usually play football so long that, you know, we're, all, we're usually into December. I think ever since I've been here, there's only one year that we haven't played in December. And baseball starts here in late January. So you get your Christmas break off and you come back around January 3rd or 4th. And, you know, you got about 15 days And baseball starts. So uh, once I get to baseball, you know, that's basically all I do. Uh, I have to, you know, at the first of it, I kind of, you know, I might miss my, Assistant Coach in in some practices because he's not able to be there because he has to go to a junior high basketball game. Uh, but you know we don't do any volunteers. You know usually I think in Texas there's a law you have to be hired by the school. Uh, my third year here we had a we had a coach that he done his student teaching here and he he was actually a player for our AD and he, he helped us in baseball and he was a tremendous help. So uh, you know having three guys I think you need three guys especially in our in in the game of baseball. I feel like it's beneficial, but, you know, we just don't have that right now. But we, we did have it one year with him student teaching. Uh, you know, I thought we could run practices better that way with, with three guys. I think the more guys you have, you know, in, in your coaching staff and, the, and find ways to use those guys, you can be more successful.
1: I always thought that was strange. So here in Oregon, you can – as long as – they get approved through background checks and and whatnot. You can, you can have anyone coach on your staff. You can get us. I could get 20 volunteer coaches if I really (laughs) wanted to. And there are people who were willing to do it. And so it's always interesting to hear about the different places around the kind of around the country and how they do or don't allow for assistant coaching uh, to come from kind of the volunteer ranks.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just not done a lot around here. I mean, usually, I mean, I've seen it, but you know, if they're hired, by the, if, if the school will pay them or, or they have to sign a contract with the school. I've seen it before, but it's just, it doesn't happen very often here in Texas. You see it more in the, I would say the private school ranks, but public education, you don't, you don't see it that much here in Texas.
1: So the whole time I'm, I'm listening to you talking, I'm like, okay, so back at Edgewood, you mentioned coaching three sports. You've mentioned over the conversation, golf, track, basketball, obviously football, baseball. You talked just now about the break, you know, 15 days off, basically. I'm, I'm listening to all this and thinking, what – when do you have time to relax? <laughs> like you guys at the at the smaller schools, especially if you're coaching multiple sports, then it's kind of a necessity with just the number of people you have. Like you guys are going almost nonstop throughout the year from sport to sport.
0: Man, it's it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy what we do. I mean, I don't I don't think anybody really understands it. Uh, you know how much we work. I mean, like. like I've been off this week, but I've had to do, you know, staff development for school. Uh, We also, me and my assistant, we have kids in the seventh grade, so we coach a, uh, you know, a select team of all Munster kids, and we take them to Dallas and play, you know, on the weekends. Actually, that's where I'm headed after this podcast. That's awesome. Um, And, um, you know, there's not a lot of breaks. I mean, you know, next week, you know, Tuesday we start, uh, you know, Workouts, summer workouts. So we'll be up there from eight to ten. Uh, everybody has a camp in our in our uh, in our school. So we'll have softball camp, baseball camp. We'll have a football camp. We'll have basketball camp. It was last week. Uh, and you know, it's really not off. I mean, yeah, you get to go home. You know, about eleven or twelve every day. You know, is is kind of what we do. But um, you know, there's not a lot of a lot of time off these days. I mean, if you're going to be successful. And especially here in Texas, you you really gotta, you know, work your kids up year round. You know, most of our high school kids play summer baseball. I would say all of them do right now. So they'll go to Dallas and you know, Fort Worth, they'll travel to other, you know, states and play. And for a small community like we are, you know, there's there's not a lot of a lot of schools that do that. And I think that gives us such an advantage here uh in Munster.
1: Well, you, you said it like it's I've I've seen plenty of coaches who uh, try to put this eloquently who who coach during the season and and then that's kind of it. And a lot of times those programs aren't very successful. And, you know, being a high school coach has, has definitely turned into a, a year round job, even if you're only coaching one sport. But obviously, when you're coaching multiple sports, it is. But um, yeah, if you want to be successful, man, you got to have you got to have kids who are willing to work all year and you as a coach and a coaching staff have to be willing to put in a lot of time with other people's kids, right. It, to be able to build programs and be successful.
0: Yeah. And in the, you know, in a small school here, you know, it's, I would say that it's geared around football I mean, more, everything's sure. geared around football in Texas. And you know, I think our AD does a good job of, you know, when our sport comes, you know, he wants us to be successful in our sport, but Again, we're going to lift. I mean, we lift, you know, year round and, you know, we take care of our guys. If, if, if we got a guy pitching, then he's not going to lift that day or he's going to lift a lot or he may, you know, whatever. Uh, but, you know, I think, I think you can overcoach a little bit. Like, you know, a lot of people around here, they do, uh, they'll do like high school summer, summer league baseball. So you'll play like one game a week. Uh, and, you know, how I look at that is, you know, I want our kids to go play for a select team in Dallas and play four or five games a week. And you know, I feel like, if you know, most high school kids, if you're not practicing, basically, if you're not made to practice, because a lot of kids are – you've got to make them do stuff. A lot of kids don't just do stuff. you got to make them do it. And if you got one game a week on a Tuesday night, I mean, do you really think they're going to hit for six days to play in that one game? I don't, <laughs> no think, that you, I don't think that makes you better. So I, want, so I want our kids to play. And I tell parents this in a parent meeting, you know, I want, you know, if you want us to be successful, you know, your kids need to play 40, 50 games in the summer. And you need to find a team for them to play on. I mean, and, you know, most of our parents understand that. They, you know, they they want to be successful. They love coming to games. and You know, it, it's amazing how many fans that we we draw, you know, coming at, at games. I mean, it's just – it's unbelievable. you got grandparents there. you got parents and you know it just goes back to you know being a, a great town of most kids are you know two parent kids and and you know they're good families
1: when you talk about the the summer baseball thing it's it's I'm I'm there with you we have here in Oregon we basically get like this year because of the truncated year and everything basically we get essentially like one month that we could coach summer baseball here so if i I'll bring in, we'll have two teams, we'll run a one-month-long season. But again, you're, we're not going to be able to pack 30 games into those 30 days. Just, It's not going to happen. And so I get some of the other coaches around our league kind of look at me sideways when I tell them, you know, if they start kind of getting into the complaining mode of oh, my kids are trying to go play travel ball, I'm, I'm like, dude, yeah, if any of my kids want to go play, go go play for someone like go get your 50, 60 games this summer, and get after it get away from me Hear somebody else's voice for a while too. And like, just go play get a ton of games in because what I can offer you through the, the confines of what I'm allowed to do is, is so much smaller than what you would get if you would just go sign up for some travel team and go play a bunch of games.
0: Yeah, and on your team, I mean, you know, if you have your own summer team, you know, where you play in other high schools, I mean, they know they're going to play. Where they go to, you know, a different, you know, you're playing against a lot of better players, per se. At a a smaller, you know, than what we do. Not that there's not good players, but it's just different. I mean, they're they're from all over the place. You have to compete for your position, and you're going to work on it throughout the week so that you're able to play. And that's what that's the main thing man. as long as they're playing baseball and they're doing it all the time that's what i want
1: yeah no I'm, I'm right there with you man it's 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 just funny the the way baseball is there's a lot of different viewpoints on it but man if you can just go play like you're gonna you're gonna be doing things the right way um all right so small town school um really supportive you mentioned uh, what about fundraising so I, I in my head i'm thinking through where i am we have to fundraise a lot of money to kind of make things happen Baseball is an expensive sport just by nature in terms of the cost of balls and equipment and things like that. Uh, are you having to do a lot of fundraising through school? And if so, like what types of things do you guys do?
0: Again, it comes down to our – we have a booster club here. and our A lot of our athletic parents run that. Run that. So, uh, you know, we make a shirt for every damn thing you can think of. I mean, <laughs> track, track season, there's a track roster shirt. Uh, baseball season, there's a baseball shirt, volleyball, or basketball, your girls' basketball is a basketball shirt. And, you know, a lot of our, our people throughout, you know, our school and stuff, you know, we send home those, uh, you know, paper and people will buy shirts. We kind of jack the price up on them a little bit. So, and our our fans know that we're trying to make money to, to support our athletic programs. Uh, you know, if we make the playoffs, we have a playoff shirt. We do, uh, Fan cloth, I think, at the beginning of the year, uh, um, we actually done a baseball fundraiser this year, just to try to raise money. Uh, it was, you know, we just collected email addresses and and basically sent out emails saying we need money for a baseball program or, you know, whatever. We got new jerseys, and I think we ended up making about twenty seven hundred dollars. Um, this year, I done a, um, we done a tournament here at, at our place, and. I think we brought seven or eight teams here. We ran a concession stand charged a gate. I think we ended up making about $3,800 for just our baseball program. Um, You know, we don't get a lot of money. I mean, our booster club, I bet you – I know uh, we had a lot of parents just get off the booster club, and I think they've been on it for about – because their kids are gone. They've been on it for about 13 years. And uh, they've made – over that amount of time, they've made about uh, three-quarters of a million dollars during that, during that spell. So, uh, that's, they kind of looked at that the other day. So, yeah, you know, I got a kid in the All-Star game at Dell Diamond. Uh, so they'll do stuff like, you know, usually when we have an All-Star game here in Texas, it's picked from all over the state and you have to have an ad, you know, in, in the program. So that, that's kind of how they pay for it. So our booster club pays for all that kind of stuff for our kids. Uh, they pay for our, you know, letter jackets, uh, but you know, that's kind of how we make money. They do other stuff. They, they put on a golf tournament during the summer uh, for, you know, fundraising and you know, they do a lot of different things that, you know, help out our, our, not just baseball, but our whole athletic program.
1: That's so awesome. Again, it's like, it's like a movie, man. It's like, they're just supporting everybody. Same, and I, I'm thinking just through the lens of my experience here. It's like, where there is a booster club, but essentially, essentially, sport is is more or less on their own to go make money outside of that. And so, just man, the small town jealousy is hitting me right now. It's it's awesome stuff that you guys have going for you. Looking at like a, a culture, and obviously, obviously, when we get into the baseball side of things, um, there's a lot that you can do to win games through getting better at baseball. But then also the The culture side is a huge part of it too. Do you guys have any like mantras or sayings or 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 I don't know things you subscribe to or talk about or preach about a lot to your kids to help kind of build the culture that you envision for the program?
0: Man, you know, I've always I've always thought that's a big deal, especially starting a year. So you know, we usually have a a hashtag every year. Is kind of what I do. Uh, You know, we feel like coming into any year that we have a chance to. To go to the state tournament here, I feel like so I try to make a hashtag of, you know, doing that. So, well, my first year here, um, I uh, already had it before I got here. You know, I was thinking about it in the summer, and uh, it was, where we play at is the state tournament at is uh, Round Rock, and um, it's at uh, Round Rock Express Stadium. It's minor league park, beautiful park, and it's called Dell Diamond. So. You know, so so I put hashtag double D. So my kids took that in a way different way than I ever thought they would. <laughs> so so hashtag double D was our was our deal, and so they took it so far that you know when I the first you know we talked about it the first day after practice what how we're breaking out every day we say double D, and you know they took it in that that way. So they didn't know where the hell Del Diamond was, man. I mean they they didn't know they had never been there. So. You know, and we took that. You know, the first day of practice, I watch us, and I was like, "God, we're pretty talented for a small, small school. We're really talented." And you know, some of our players hadn't even got out there yet, and we're we're pretty good. So, you know, I felt good about it. You know, about our saying, I thought, you know, we could, you know, we could do that. And so they turned it into, you know, if they hit a double, then they would raise up two hands and they would like squeeze them like they were squeezing double D's. <laughs> so, you know, I know that, <laughs> but that was between our, you know, yeah. our team and it's become a thing I mean, it's an every year thing here so everybody knows about it and our parents think it's hilarious and you know it's just kind of what it is In the next year you know we had won it in 17 uh, so our research to actually how many teams in Texas have went back to back you know before I think there were 15 teams throughout 2A to 6A that went, ever went back to back state titles so I put B2B Hashtag B two B sixteen. So I want to be the 16th, 16th team to do that, and that's kind of what we went by that year. So every year I have something that we that we go by that we break out by. I would say that's probably our most you know uh, you know culture thing that we do. I don't think we have to have a lot of culture things here. Uh, just our kids are so good, man. I mean, I, I mean, I just you know, I mean, being a principal in Munster, it, it can be very difficult because you don't have a lot of kids that are in trouble that you know, that that you have to deal with.
1: Yeah, no kidding. It sounds sounds like a great place because, again, we, you know, talking about culture, you don't, like you said, you don't really have to come up with a bunch of stuff for them. You don't have to teach these kids who come from, uh, I don't want to say bad backgrounds, but it, it just it, it seems like a really close-knit, tight-knit community, and obviously they're successful in a lot of different sports. And so it makes sense that the culture side wouldn't be something you have to focus quite as much on as you normally would in maybe some other schools. Um, so you, you obviously first year you guys want to stay title, which is again, amazing, uh, really cool stuff. And then you come back the next year. And so you, you had mentioned earlier, I think that a lot of those kids were juniors, right? So they were coming back for their senior year. Uh, obviously expectations at that point would be really high. Um, how do you, or how did you, um, keep kids focused and energized and ready and prepared? Because a lot of times expectations and pressure and dealing with teenagers, all that can kick in and can create a, uh, could, it could create kind of a miserable experience for people. Obviously it didn't. So what'd, what'd you do to make sure kids were prepared that second year?
0: That was, that was really tough. I mean, I not even know why. I mean, I, I worried about it the whole year. I, I felt like we were just kind of there the whole year. Uh, especially after winning the, you know, the football state title, I felt like we had a couple players that were like, you know, my high school career is done. You know, I don't know how much motivation I have. Uh, you know, all you do is you just talk about it every day. You know, there's a few times I, I lost it and we ran and, you know, because I didn't like the way we were practicing. And, you know, it's it's one of those things to where you don't know really how to treat it. Uh, You know, one, I had one, uh, Famous guy that I know that he he's the head uh, football coach here in Allen now. He was, I imagine you know him. He coached Deshaun Watson at Clemson. Yeah. name's Chad Morris. He was from my hometown and uh, he had won back to back state titles here in Texas with two separate teams. I, I wanted to, to get him to come talk to our guys and he wasn't available at that time. He was in college football and it was hard for him to get away or, and he wasn't able to do it. But you know I, you know I reached out. to you know, to certain people like that, you know, trying to get that motivation factor, uh, you know, to where we'll, we would get there. I, I felt we just kind of like cruising to the playoffs. And sometimes, you know, the teams we play, it's hard to get up for them. But, you know, as a coach, you don't ever feel like that. You know, I feel like sometimes as coaches that we're, you know, we wish our players cared a lot more about this than, than we do. Because I, I feel like when I'm, when I'm coaching baseball or, or any other sport, I feel like I, I, my care is way more than theirs. And, you know, just the – you know, I just think they were very motivated throughout the year. Um, and, you know, we just talked about it all the time, you know, I mean, you know, in, in all different ways. And, you know, I, I feel like sometimes, you know, it was, it was crazy that we got back to the state tournament. And even in the state semifinal, no, I thought when we were there, we were, you know, we were motivated for sure when you get back and you play in a venue like that. State final, we, we faced a kid that's at Texas right now. You know, he was 90 to 93. Probably hadn't seen that all year at, a, at being at a small school. He's probably the the best small school pitcher. And we beat him two to nothing and threw a three-hit shutout. So, uh, I feel like over, you know, when we got to the playoffs, we kind of, you know, upped our game a little bit. But, you know, throughout the year of just practice and – and regular games and going into games that you know you're going to win, you know, the motivation and the lack of, you know, enthusiasm was not where it needed to be. I think that's a hard thing as a coach, especially, you know, when you win a lot, it becomes like, you know, you're supposed to, and it becomes almost boring in a way. And, and it's it's really hard to change, you know, the mentality there. And it's just something that you got to harp on all the time with your kids and you know if you got to bring people in to talk about it or or you know have some type of motivation i think you do that
1: well it's it, when you see guys who've been successful for or have success in the terms of winning uh for like a long sustained part of their career it's always extra impressive because what you just mentioned like when you have teams that win it's, like it is almost boring for them because they go into games expecting to win. And then like one of the things you mentioned is, you know, the idea of kind of playing down to an opponent. You have a team that maybe you should just blow out of the water and third, fourth, fifth innings rolling around and the, you know, you're up two to nothing or something like that. And you're just like, what is going on here? And it, it that feeling is so frustrating. And it's, I think it's more frustrating than losing a game where you're just like, your players just almost seem to not get it because you, they're just kind of coasting through the game and then the game ends and you're not real happy with them and they're like, well, what do you mean we won? And you're like, yeah, that's not what this was, that's not what this is about, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, we should have won by way more than we did. You know what? It's just one of the things where you're dealing with, you know, it goes back to you're dealing with 15 to 18-year-old kids and you never know what you're going to get out of them. You never know what they're thinking about. You know, they may be thinking about a party after the game. They may be thinking about, you know, this weekend they have a date with their girlfriend. I mean, there's no telling with kids at that age. And, you know, you know that's what we're dealing with. That's what we're putting our, uh, you know, you know some, some people put their job on the line for kids like that, you know, so – it, it's just it's just a thing to where you know you've got to constantly you know talk about those types of things and you know after practices and after after games and and hopefully it clicks at some point during the year.
1: How do you balance family with coaching? Because we've talked about how much time you have to spend as a coach. You also talk to your wife. You know she's she's a, a principal. You know so there's I don't know it's it's a lot of time away from. Home, right? So, how do you how do you balance family life with coaching?
0: Well, my wife's very supportive. I mean, she comes to basically all the games that she can come to. Being an administrator now is, you know, it's a full time job as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, she's a she's actually on a twelve month contract. So she she works now. I mean, she works from basically eight to four now. So, uh, you know, just her being supportive of you know it'd be hard stress to say. If she never came to a game, then, you know, we wouldn't see each other a lot, you know. So, you know, I think I did a good job of picking a wife that, you know, cares about sports. She she likes to go to games. Uh, you know, her her goal, you know, she's in the elementary right now, principal-wise, but her goal is to be a high school principal where she can do that. And hopefully that will be it. You know, she doesn't work at the same school that I do right now, uh, but hopefully that will be the school that I work at one day. I mean, that's kind of her goal. But, you know, we've had kids. You know, my two kids have played, you know, ever since they were little. So, we've been to a lot of games together. And, and, you know, we spend our time with, you know, coaching families usually. You know, we have other friends too. But we try to make time for each other. And, you know, we feel like family is the most important
1: thing. And didn't your – I think you would said earlier that your son just finished his senior year, right? One of your kids. Yes. What was that like coaching your own kid? I know it for a lot of guys it's obviously really rewarding – also, really challenging for for a lot of reasons too. What was that experience like over the last few years?
0: I would say both of those things. You know, it's really challenging in in a way where sometimes you know your kids don't always listen to you. I feel like my oldest one does. I feel like my youngest one is he's more on that line of why are you talking to me? I need this guy knows more than you, or
1: you know, <laughs> whatever. But
0: I, it's been very very rewarding. I mean, anytime you get to you know experience you know that kind of stuff with your kid, I feel like you know, you're, you're doing the right thing. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for the world.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. I, I've, my kid, he's, he's not even two years old yet. So I got a long way to go until that, till we cross that bridge. But I've heard from a lot of coaches about how, how, how fun it is, but then also how challenging it is when you're dealing with kind of what you talked about, like some, some kids just are a little bit more naturally inclined to be like, yeah, I hear from you all the time. Like I need to hear somebody else's voice right now, sort of a thing. And so I don't know. We'll yeah. see. I, I got a, I got a long way to go till I got across that bridge, but that's okay.
0: And our kids, my kids, have always been part of something. So you know, um, even though my wife might not have been at the same school, my kids were always the ball boys. Uh, they're always in the dugout. My youngest one does game changer, you know, for our baseball games. Uh, they're counting pitches, and you know, they're always been involved. So you, you talk about you know just the family aspect. My kids have always been around the game. And, you know, they've always been wanting wanting to be around the game with their dad. And, you know, they come out to practices and, and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of how, you know, our family works.
1: That's been a common theme, too, that I've heard from coaches, too, is that it seems like the ones who tend to have really kind of happy, healthy balances between coaching and the kind of the family life are ones who can bridge the kids into it and have them be a part of it. And I've talked before with some coaches about how, how we think that does a lot for the high school teenagers as well to see us as dads and then to also have them be around little kids, younger kids as those kids are growing up and helps them teach them kind of the responsibility side of things, how to be good leaders to kids, how to act in front of children too. Right. And how to not cuss in front of little kids. Like it kind of teaches them a lot of things too along the way.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, You know, my, my oldest son, he's going to play college baseball and he wants to be a coach you know, me and my wife are like, you don't want to pick a better career or make more money <laughs> you know, or, you know, whatever. But, you know, I think he, he loves sports too. And, you know, it's just a passion for him. I mean, you know, like I told him, I was like, you know, once you're done playing, I mean, the closest thing that you can do to, to get to, you know, into sports is be a coach. So, uh, you know, that's the closest thing to it. I and, mean, you know, you can't play all your life. And if you, if you love what you do, then there's, it doesn't matter how much money you make.
1: No, that's true for I think most high school coaches I would assume. Uh, so you've you're you've got a long way to go still. So I don't the, you, you got plenty of coaching left in you. But just from where you are right now, looking back to where you started, how, how do you think you've grown? Like, what's the biggest way you've grown as a coach?
0: I would say you know relationships with kids. You know I, I feel like when I you know being younger I wouldn't didn't have very good relationships with kids, and over you know especially my probably my first five years, uh, you know, kids just wore me out. You know, I think as you get older, uh, you understand that uh, kids are, you know, they're not perfect and they're going to mess up and, you know, they're going to do things that you wouldn't even imagine them doing. And um, you really got to be a coach of, of uh, you have to tell them everything. I mean, you know they may not know that they need to run through the bag at first. You know when they hit the ball in the infield, they may try to stop the bag. So I think every coaching point is 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 valuable, no matter how simple it is. Uh, you know, not 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 a lot of kids know everything. And, you know they may not know what a squeeze bun is, or they may not. You can't always assume that kids know anything, because I look at it like I'm teaching somebody that knows nothing about the game. That's us try to that's that's kind of how I design my practice, especially starting out the years. I want to try to touch base on everything that we do and all rules that we can get to kids. And, and you know, I, I feel like in my first five years, that was hard for me to understand because I, I felt like I know the game so well or I feel like I do. And these kids should know that. And, you know, a lot of times they just don't.
1: Well, that's, that's a lesson that kind of slapped me in the face this year um, after our kiddos didn't get to play at all in 2020, and they came back this year. And a lot of things that I had taken for granted in the past, like things you're mentioning, like as simple as running through first base or... Uh, I don't know, dropping a bunt down, how to communicate here, how to what even the what backdoor means as a second baseman or shortstop catching the ball from first base, like all these things that I had taken for granted, and then after these kids hadn't got to play for a year, or so um, they didn't know a lot of this stuff, or maybe didn't even know it to begin with, and so this year we had a lot of times this year where I like would say something and then I'd kind of get blank faces, or they wouldn't do it on the next play, and I'm like, what is going on? And then I've, i finally realized like. I'm the dummy because these, they just don't know it. And I've, so it's been kind of a huge learning thing for me that I, uh, you've, you've gotten to learn it over your career. And for me, it just kind of slapped me in the face this year of like, oh my gosh, I need to slow down. I need to make sure these kids know what I'm talking about. I need to actually teach everything. I can't just assume it anymore.
0: Yeah. I mean, same way here. I mean, our freshmen that were sophomores this year, you know, just some of the things that they've done, you forget about, well, You know, we got to play 10 games the year of COVID. Uh, Our JV, which most – you know, all our freshmen were on, you know, they played two. So, you know, they went through, you know, probably a month and a half of practice. But at the same time, you're more worried about your, you know, your varsity kids than you are your JV kids. So, you know, they don't – you know, you you know I I caught myself doing that as well this year. You know, like, how do you not know that? Or, well, (laughs) I understand you didn't play last year, you know. Yeah yeah same thing
1: yeah I had to keep reminding myself like okay wait this kid hasn't played since probably seventh grade (laughs) you know eighth grade it's like it's he just he just doesn't know it's gonna be all right uh so yeah huge thing moving forward for me Uh, I only really have one last question for you and it's one that I I realized I haven't asked anyone in a while and I want to come back to it because I think it's such an important one for for coaches like you who have been around for a while especially one who's won uh, a state title well who's been a part of a handful really and uh because you've you've got a lot of knowledge to to fall back on uh you've had chances for growth in your career too so you know you've you've been around high school sports a long time you mentioned you always wanted to be a coach now that you've been doing it for for quite a quite a big number of years you know if someone asked you why are high school sports important why do they matter why should we invest our time and energy and resources into them uh what would you say
0: and I think it teaches you a lot about life, you know, especially in, in the game of baseball. Baseball's about failure. I mean, and and in life, you, you're going to fail. I mean, you're going to do things that are, uh, you know, that you probably shouldn't have done. You're going to make decisions that you wish you had back. And you got to be able to, you know, get up and, and brush yourself off and get back to life. And that's what life is all about. I mean, you know, nobody's perfect in this world and, I think baseball teaches you a lot of that. A lot of athletics teaches you that it teaches you to be tough and, and resilient and, you know, deal with failure. And, you know, I think, you know, we talk about all those things with our kids as well. So, yeah, you know, I, I think it's, you know, it's a, it's a way for, especially a lot of kids that doesn't care about the classroom and it doesn't motivate them. Athletics does. And, you know, I think our voices as coaches are, are so important to, to certain kids more than others. And, you know, you, I mean, you may, you may change that kid one day, you know, just by what you say and, and, and what you do.
1: I think, I think uh, also to, to kind of jump off that, something that you had mentioned earlier too, helps you deal with like learn how to figure out how to deal with success too. Like you mentioned the state title run team coming back the next year, kind of this feeling of unmotivation of not being quite as invested or motivated every day. And like, in life, man, like you, I, I don't know, something as stupid as you doing, you know, mowing the lawn today. Well, the lawn next week's not going to care that you mowed it last week. Like you got to do it again. Like it just, the stuff never ends. Life doesn't just stop.
0: <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, being successful, is, a, you know, is a, is a big part of that too. But, you know, moving forward in life, I mean, it just, life don't stop. I mean, you know, it, I tell our, my kids all the time, you know, I don't really want to be anything else than what I am. Not that I'm not looking forward to, you know, everybody wants to improve their career. You know, I may one day want to go to a bigger school and coach baseball and make a little bit more money. And that is probably my goal. You know, I would like to try to get, you know, I'd like to stay in this career long enough where I maybe have a chance for the Texas baseball hall Fame, Or, you know, those are goals that you have in the back of your mind that you don't really talk about that that's something you might do. And I think, you know, especially in this career, you know, I think a lot of people say teachers, for instance, they just teach, you know, they have no motivation to grow and, and move on and move up the ladder in their jobs. And I think that's part of, of being a teacher. I mean, yeah. I mean, some people want to just teach and that's fine. And, you know, but I think a lot of people get stuck at I'm comfortable. And I think you want to be you don't want to be comfortable in a, in a job that makes you keep going and, and be, you know, energetic, uh, you know, and, and I, I think that gives you a little bit more, you know, I can't think of the word. I think it just gives you more motivation in yourself to keep going and to move into different jobs and to move higher and, you know, just be one of those people that, you know, are successful and, Everything that you do, and I think, you know, if you look at people throughout the, throughout coaching, I mean, that's what you see. You know, you know, there's not a lot of people that stay in one place in coaching. I mean, it, does it happen? Yes. And are they successful? Yes. And, that, and that's fine. I mean, my high school coach is a prime example. He's been there 23 years. He's won over 400 games. And he likes the small-town atmosphere. But every year he's trying to get better at something. I think some people get into a job and they just, it's always the same. And I think things, you know, like in coaching, it changes and teaching it changes and you got to be willing to take on those changes.
1: Yeah. Especially in terms of, of how you kind of do everything right like so for sports we're especially as coaches you're always trying to learn something new give me like let's learn something and get better and let's get better and you're just like this constant drive to get better like you said you can have these nice awesome big goals in the back of your head and the way you reach them is like by every day doing what you need to do every day and you almost talked about earlier how it almost gets boring when you're winning it's kind of that same (laughs) mindset for life like you're you have to find energy in the boring part of just getting better, of trying to improve yourself every day. And, you know, who knows where you end up at the end of everything. Yeah. If you're
0: sitting on the couch every day and, you know, waiting for the sun to go down, I mean, that's it's probably not a way to live life, you know?
1: You know?
0: <laughs> no. We, we, like, we like doing stuff in our family and we, we're always on the go. And, you know, it's hectic at times and we don't know how we're going to, uh, you know, get through it, but we do.
1: Yeah. You find a way to get through it. Yeah. No kidding. I don't, it's hard to relate to people who, who aren't motivated to do anything. I don't know. I think, and I, like you said, I think that, I think that probably goes back to my time playing high school sports. And then obviously the time I've spent outside of it now. Well, on the, I guess on the other side of it now, Uh, Josh loved having you on before I let you go. I don't know if you have any parting thoughts, any I don't know advice for young coaches anything that maybe we we should have talked about but missed or anything I don't know just kind of hand the mic over to you and let you uh, say whatever might be on your mind still well
0: first of all I appreciate you having me on I've enjoyed it very 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 much and you know just coaches you know my, my biggest thing when I look at a coach uh, a good coach is that is his care level I mean you have to care about what you're doing I see many of you know I've been around many of the coaches and I've been a, I've been around coaches that care and don't care, and you just really see the kids understand that they know that. And I, you know, I think if you're going to do this job, you know, do it right. You know, care. You know, have have some care about it because it, you know, when when my season starts, that's the only thing that I care about. You know, I care about, you know, obviously I care about my family, but all my energy is put into our baseball system. And when it's up, when it's over, it's not a good feeling when it's over. It never is. And uh, you know. I would just say, you know, for the for coaches is your care level has to be more than anybody else's. And when kids see that, they'll play for you.
1: That's great advice. Kind of goes back to uh, what you said earlier about uh, caring more about the game than the kids do and how frustrating that is. But also, obviously, how necessary it is. Because if you don't care, then why the heck should a teenage boy care? Correct. Correct. <laughs> uh, thank you again, Josh. Thanks to to Jonathan Gellner for for hooking us up together. I'm glad we could finally sit down and do this thing. And uh, I hope you enjoy the, the summer. And I'm sure how not busy you'll be. Right? Uh, sure yeah. You anyway. Hanging out the couch. <laughs>
0: right, I appreciate you having me on.
1: The yeah, for sure. Thank you. Thank you. fist bump to coach wheeler for introducing us to the hornets of munster high school and for being so willing to share i'm still trying to wrap my head around how a school of 150 kids can field a football team of 55 Uh, at my school that rate would put us somewhere around like 735 kids on the football team (laughs) unbelievable anyway thanks to josh for jumping on the show and thanks again to netting pros for sponsoring the episode and to you for clicking that play button If you haven't joined the club yet, do it. It takes about 90 seconds to sign up. You'll be part of the premier national organization of high school coaches, trainers, administrators, parents, players, and more. And you'll get the weekly newsletter straight to your inbox every single Wednesday. You can find that link down in the show notes. If you're listening to this show within the first few days of its release, the next week's newsletter is the second part in a series about end of season awards. Don't forget to leave a rating, maybe even a review. If you have any recommendations for people who should be guests on the show, be sure to reach out to me, even if that recommendation is you follow the club on social media twitter instagram facebook at hs coaches club you can follow me on twitter at mr max price and can reach me via email max at highschoolcoachesclub.com that's it you're awesome you matter thanks for all you do and as coach lee would say loving you